0: How are you? Oh, good. Let's pray. Father, we come to you. Once again, we submit ourselves to you in your presence. We acknowledge that you are here. Not only that we acknowledge your presence, but we also acknowledge your authority in our lives, in this church, and also the authority of your word that we are about to read. It is the only thing that can change us, Lord. We ask you this, that, uh, because of that, Lord, because of the greatness of, and the vastness of the truth that is contained in your word and the limitation of who we are and our minds. We ask for you to pour out your spirit that will touch everything that we are, our minds, our hearts, our emotions, so that we may be able to grasp the truth that, contain, that is contained in your word, because it is the only thing that will transform us. Thank you, Father, Lord, This we ask as we humble ourselves and submit ourselves to the authority of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, let's all go to our first Peter. I would like to read from first Peter, chapter one. First Peter, chapter one. I'm going to read from verse 1 all the way to verse 9. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to God's elect exiles scattered throughout the province of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who have been chosen—this is talking about the people—who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God, the Father— through the, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to, the, to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled by his blood, grace and peace be yours in abundance. Verse 3. Praise be to, to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope. I like that. You need to talk either underline, just or marked or whatever. He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time in all this you greatly rejoice though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief and of all kinds in all trials these have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold which perishes even though refined by fire may result in praise glory and honor title of my message this morning is the characteristic or the mark of spiritual people. I'm picking up from the message I uh, preached a few weeks ago, or maybe over a month ago, and uh, what it means to be spiritual people, but you know, this morning I want to talk about what is the characteristic of spiritual people. As I uh, die now, we're, we're on, on holiday pretty much from December onward until today. we sort of just relaxing and i listening to the news and I'm listening to what's going on in the world. All I can say is like, God, the world is going crazy. The world is going mad. And I said... You know, with, with all the technology from, from medicine to psychology to, uh, to uh, you know, all other technology, internet and all those things, with all the facilities that we have. And on the other side, you know, the, uh, the social science with the knowledge, and the political science, with, the, with the, everybody's crying out for, for fairness. Everybody's crying out for, for political correctness. And everybody's crying out against racism. And yet, the more I, I, I listen and the more I, 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 I assess and, and watch what's going on in the world, we have, we have become more divided, intensely than ever before. We're raising more issues because they become more evident. And become, because more of an issue now. So my, my thing is, as a church, are we, what are we doing in the midst of this? Do we have the answer? Are we relevant to this mess that's going on in the world? What is it? Sometimes we think we are because we've got, we've got massive churches everywhere with, you know, we feel a sports stadium or, or big major convention hall and all that kind of stuff. But the world is still more divided, more and more. <laughs> are we actually doing our job? And people, and in the midst of that, people, people, some there are some people who really start to look beyond this life, and look for spiritual things, and start to tap into, into and and appreciate the value of spirituality. Yeah, because they know there's something beyond this. But the question is, what is spirituality? By the way, this message, pretty much, I'm speaking about the heart of this church. The heart of everything that we're doing in this church. Why, why we're here, what we're all about. So, uh, so in, in, in looking at spirituality, we, we tend, be human being, <laughs> including me, we tend to compartmentalize what's natural and what's spiritual. And here's the thing, as disciples of Jesus, you and I have been called to be spiritual people. And yet, the world in its confusion, whatever their, their interpretation of spirituality and the church are caught up in that. And sometimes, in some cases, we are confused too. Yeah, we don't even know what spirituality is sometimes. It's blur in the church. Let me give you a good example. Because spirituality is everything. You know what Jesus said to, to a woman of Samaria? He was talking about worship. And he said, God is spirit, and those who worship him must Worship him in what? In spirit and truth. Can you see what what Jesus in that small simple statement? It's a massive statement. What Jesus is doing is this: God is spirit, so Jesus presenting the very nature of God. And then he presents the very nature of our worship. It has to be compatible. If God is spirit Therefore, our worship must be in spirit and in truth. Are you getting this? And yet we see most of our worship services, I'm talking generally speaking, it's all about emotional than than spiritual. We create all this stuff just to stir the emotion of the people because we think that's what worship is. Isn't that interesting? So the church also gets sucked into by the world because the world is ruled by, ruled by how they feel. Whatever makes you feel good, do it. You know, If that's how you feel, just whatever makes you happy, do it. My understanding is Our call to be spiritual people are called to be led by the Spirit and to abide by the truth. Regardless of how I feel about a situation, some of the toughest decisions I have to make makes me unhappy about. I'm sick of it, but it was the right thing to do because I'm a spiritual man. I'm called to do spiritual things and to abide by the truth. And we look successful, but all we do is just appeal to the emotion of the people. But never challenge the very core of their spiritual being. People go home after church happy. But there's no fundamental change in their lives. Or they get emotional in the church. but they're just natural people. Let me say what spiritual, spirituality is not. All right? If you read the First Corinthians, chapter 1, Paul thanked God for the Corinthians because in every way, the spiritual gift, they were complete. Like You, know, you like nothing. That's what Paul said in chapter 1. You like nothing when it comes to spiritual gifts. And you see, in the whole book of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, it's like there's no other book where the spiritual gift is so explicitly described because that is the operation that's happening in the church. So Paul was commending them, you like nothing in the spiritual gift. And then you, you read further chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, and then he said, but I can't speak to you as spiritual people, only as babies, but natural people. People of the flesh So guess what From that I understand Just because you can prophesy You can speak in tongues 50 miles an hour It doesn't make you spiritual Whoa It's crazy isn't it Here's the thing are we natural people? No. no. Let me just make it, make this statement for you to think about. The world try to be spiritual, and they try to be religious, but all they do is like natural people performing spiritual tasks. That does not make you spiritual. But here's what, what I believe the Bible is presenting to us. We are spiritual people living in a natural world, doing natural things. Big difference. So what is true spirituality? What says Christians or Christianity is or Christian spirituality, apart from other belief system, even the spirituality of Judaism, is this idea of doing and being. My spirituality is who I am, not the doing of it. The doing is the expression of the being. Being. The Jews, for example, they take pride, they pride themselves as having the law. And their champion, a Hebrew of Hebrews, he said to himself, I did it all in Philippians chapter 2. I spent all my life doing it. It didn't work. (laughs) Only to discover that the law is weak. You take pride in something that actually I discovered after spending all my life doing it, that actually the law is weak. It doesn't achieve what God wants to achieve in mankind because of the flesh. In a contemporary sense in our life, here's the thing. How is, how is the law weak in, in our lives? You know the law has no power unless it is broken. If somebody harass you, you go to report to the police and you, you say, "You know, I've been I've been stalked by this guy." The police can't do anything until that guy breaks the law. So you're not protected by the law. Really, we pride ourselves we are we are strong law in this land, but we are not protected un, until that law is broken. That's how weak the Law is. It's crazy. And I was, I was, I listened to, the, to this guy uh, to, yeah, on TV, mm-hmm. this most notorious sex offender who's old now being set free and apparently now living in the neighborhood where there are mothers and children there and you know, which he was guilty of in, in his sex offense. Why? Because he has a right to be for his privacy. And I thought, what's wrong with the people? I thought, and my, my thing is like, I thought, like Jesus said, the law is made for people, not people for the law. But the problem is make man-made system in whatever they think is right to do and try to protect one's, one, one's, one person's right at the expense of the other. Sometimes it is just based on technicality. And I said, what about the protection of the mothers? And the children? Crazy, hey? Everyone tries to do what they think is right by creating the right system but always comes short. This is not something new. It's been like this in human history, including the church. Church or the world, we try to create a system to fix people, where actually the problem is the inner, non-transformed person. But we try to make an ex- external system, church and the world. So guess what? The, ch- the world history, including church history, is filled with pendulum swing from one extreme to the other, just trying to correct human behavior, like, you know, swinging from one thing to, to another. Church history is like that, And in many cases, man, mankind hasn't changed. So in many ways, as I said, church has failed because sometimes we're too busy creating a system rather than focusing on the transformation of the believers. Let's go back to our passage. First Peter chapter 1. Okay, if you read First Peter, the heart of the, the, the core message of the first Peter is located in uh, chapter two, verse four to 10, where Peter wrote, "As you come to him, the living stones, you, also, as living stones, are being built into a spiritual house." Yeah, into a spiritual house by which, in which you offer spiritual sacrifice as priest. So what Paul is saying is the true, true temple of God is being built by the coming together of people as living stones to Jesus, the living stone, and being built into a spiritual house. That is the... Uh, antidote or, the, uh, or the, the opposite of the old temple when Jesus said not one stone when, when he predicted in Luke chapter 21 he said when the disciples saw the temple they, they said to Jesus look how magnificent the temple is and Jesus said the day will come and one stone will not rest on the there, there, is, there will be no one stone rest, rest on another and sure that day came but after the resurrection, after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, Peter, living in the new era of the fulfillment of the prophecy, now see, instead of one stone resting on another, it's the coming together of the living stones. That's why he wrote like this. Because I see it. I see this new temple. Yes, the old temple has been destroyed. Now I see. Temple. God's building. And the building of this this, this 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 temple of God is made up of spiritual people coming together. So how the question now how do we how do we become spiritual people? You can write this down. True spirituality is God initiated. Unlike other religions' concept of spirituality where it is all about self-effort, including Judaism, doing the work of the law, or the Eastern meditation sort of practice, it's about what they can do. Christian or biblical spirituality is initiated by God himself. And we find it in First Peter chapter 1. It begins with divine election. As you read 1 Peter chapter 1, Peter, he said, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, he referred to the, God's people as the elect, people who are chosen by God. God did the, 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 God did the choosing, not them. Remember Jesus said, I did not choose you. Oh, you did not choose me, I chose you. So God did the election. And then he said, you guys, who have been chosen according, in verse 2, to the foreknowledge of God, the Father, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled by his blood, grace and peace be yours in abundance. I want to I wanna stop that and let's comment on this. So this idea of election is based on God's foreknowledge. And I want you to, to, to look at he, here. Our spirituality, it involves the three Godhead, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That makes you, Doesn't that make you feel important? Right? To make me a spiritual person, actually it takes the Trinity to do it. It says there, it's not my opinion, it says, The Father does the foreknowledge. The Son does the uh, cross. And the Spirit does the sanctifying or setting apart. It's the Spirit that sets you apart. If God, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, they're all involved in the making of you and I, our spirituality, how spiritual can we be? You know, like, that's pretty good, eh? I don't care, any other religion, whatever they believe, no, 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 I'm, it's not my doing. It's the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. They did it. Woo! <laughs> I get excited about things like that. Yeah. Now, here's the thing I want to I I spend a little bit more time in verse 2. He said, Who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of, of God the Father through the sanctifying work, this is NIV through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood. That's NIV. And ESV, that's why they call it NIV because it's a non-inspired version. Anyway, that's a joke. Don't take me seriously on that. <laughs> ESV, which is the elect, elect standard version, that's another joke. Um, Okay, ESV says, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in the sanctifying of the Spirit, for obedience to Christ Jesus. Okay? Now, here's an an interesting translation, ASV. According to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit, unto obedience of Jesus Christ unto the obedience of Jesus Christ. What's the difference? And as I, as I looked, looked at and studied the Greek grammatical structure, actually the, the last one was actually the, the, was the, in the original Greek translation. What's the difference? The other two is depending on our obedience to Jesus whereas the last translation is it all depends on Jesus Christ's obedience alone. How safe are you and I? Our sanctification is depending on Jesus Christ's obedience. So the Father foresaw, the Spirit sets us apart, the Son does the obedience (laughs) on the cross. So that's our spirituality. Begin, it begins with God doing the choosing. Number two, new birth. Okay, verse three. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope. I want you to actually underline that, and because he didn't stop, has given us new birth. He didn't stop there. New birth into a living hope. New birth, everybody say new birth into a living hope. Right there, now, I'm sorry, but I'd, I'd like to explain this. Living hope, obviously, is a verb being made as an adjective. Living hope. Now, in uh, within Greek grammat- grammatical structure, this kind of, when you use the, the uh, verb and make it an adjective, they call a participle. It character- characterizes the uh, the next statement, the noun, and it's like living hope. And as I, as I looked at it, it's it's pre- in the present tense. Present tense means something that continues to happen almost infinitely, like keep, keep going. The world is looking for hope, but God has given us a living hope, and continually, right now, it's not a futuristic thing, it's right now, all day, every day, every day, for how long you live, it's a living hope. It's not just some sort of dream somewhere. It might happen, might not happen. It actually is a living, breathing hope. It's alive right now. That is the hope that we have. I like that very statement. New birth into your living hope. Here's the thing. The Christian identity. Let me just talk about. Even I don't. Sometimes I think I'd rather use disciples, Jesus' disciples' identity. Because sometimes when you say Christians, people think it's religion. Now, nah. our identity. You know, we all know our identity is shaped by what happened in the past, right? Here in Christ, our identity, yes, shaped by the past through what happened on the, on the cross and the resurrection of Jesus. But right now, according to this statement, that you and I, our identity not only is shaped by the past, but by the future, because it's a living hope. That's our identity. We are not just shaped by what happened historically in the past, but our identity is shaped by what's happening in the future. And right now, we are being, being shaped. That's why it says, what kind of hope? In verse 4, they can never perish, spoil, or fade. Whoa. And this is what I love about this verse 4 from verse, verse 3 to verse 4. While our future is kept secure, we are also now being kept and shielded by God's power. That's what it says. So while we're waiting for that to happen, on our journey, God's power is actually sustaining us. Right? All this talking about our spirituality. So our spirituality starts with divine election, God doing the choosing, and our new birth. Obviously, it is the language of the Gospel of John, being born again. What does that really mean to be born again? What does that really mean? Well, the conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus in John chapter 3, Nicodemus also, who's a rabbi, he approached Jesus. He called Jesus rabbi. So, you know, it's between rabbi and rabbi. <laughs> so uh, they they talked to each other, and then Jesus just made a statement. Obviously, this guy was waiting for the coming kingdom, and then he said, I know you. And he said, Jesus, uh, Nicodemus said, Jesus, I know you're your teacher from, from God because no one can do what you do unless God is with him. And Jesus sort of ignored his, his statement. Jesus said, knowing he's the kind of guy that's waiting for the kingdom, and Jesus said, unless you are born again, you are not going to see the kingdom of God. Now, the word born again in Greek can also be translated born from above. Okay? Born again, born from above. Can, it, can, it does have two meanings. So, was Jesus saying, unless you are born again or unless you are born from above? It's a good question, isn't it? Well, in John chapter 3, verse 4, Nicodemus responded to Jesus, How can a man be born when you are old? And he said, Surely that man cannot re enter his mother's womb. So, guess what? He heard Jesus saying, his his interpretation, because remember, sometimes we react not to what is said, but what we think is said. You know what I mean? And often we react in situation not because of what happens out there, but what we think happens out there. And this hap- what happened to, to Nicodemus. So he responded to Jesus because he thought that's what Jesus said. Well, you can't re-enter the, the the mother's womb, can you? As an old guy. And then Jesus said in verse 5, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Now listen to this in verse 6. He said, flesh gives birth to flesh, but Spirit gives birth to Spirit. So Jesus explains what he was saying. So what Jesus is saying is this. Listen, what I'm talking about is a different kind of birth. Can you see how Nicodemus heard being born again, but Jesus really meant being born from above. Being born of the Spirit. So what the truth about being born of the Spirit is like Jesus, because Jesus said, only Spirit gives birth to Spirit. So what Jesus is saying is this, as if Jesus is saying, by implication, even that was possible for you to go back to your mother's womb and be born again, it's still flesh gives birth to flesh. We need a different kind of birth. Spirit gives birth to the Spirit. Even if that was possible, it's still not the kingdom of God. You, need, you can't just come into the kingdom of God because you want to. You need to be born into it by the Spirit. So, how does that happen? How does that happen? How can you be born again? This is what Peter, Peter said in the same, same chapter, chapter 1, verse 23. He elaborated in verse 23. He said, for you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring I want you to underline enduring word of God. For all peoples are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, the flowers fall, but the word of God, the word of the Lord, endures forever. Everybody say the word of God. The reason I ask you to say that because in this church, all our leaders, we put so much emphasis on the word of God. I could preach motivational style of sermon that gets you stirred up and gets you all excited. I can do, do research on psychological things and how to live a successful life and all those things. But unless you hear the word of God, nothing's going to happen in your heart. It's only the word of God, because it is the imperishable seed. I can give you psychology, whatever. I I mean, the books are there for me to read. Step one, step two, how to deal with conflicts and all those things. On the surface, you can deal with conflicts, but you know what? Unless something changes in your heart, the same conflict is going to happen again with a different person, different people. Why? Because nothing changed in your heart. You know, some people say, you know, I've, been, I've been in this business for 20 years. So I should be, you know, I have the experience of 20 years as a pastor or as a husband or whatever. My answer to that is if there's no transformation in your heart, you're going to make the same mistake for the next 20 years over and over and over again. So really, your experience is not 20 years, maybe just one year being repeated 20 times. <laughs> Something has to happen in our hearts. That's why with all that, that, that you know, Diana, our time, our effort, it's like what well, Enge was preaching last week. I said, Ench, what I hear from you when you preach is a journey. We are serious about this. Building spiritual people. If you are here, like I said, it's not try you know being not being natural people try to perform spiritual things. But hey, you are natural. uh, You are spiritual people. even though sometimes you do natural things, like get a job. <laughs> Every time we, the church create a system of human being, because everybody has a, a, a paradigm of what they think is right and wrong. You know? So everybody pushes their agenda. So a good example is a, a nation like America who, who pride themselves as the, maybe the example of what dem- democracy is, and look at it now. Really. Because, oh, we got the Constitution. <laughs> really? That's not going to change anything. We got the law and the Constitution. All the system, is doesn't matter how perfect the system might be, it is still... Ruled by imperfect man, that system will be imperfect. And guess what? Constitution law is subject to men's interpretation and manipulations. Not just interpretation, manipulations. Why? Because something is not right in their hearts. Somehow they have to work their way around. What is the only hope? What is the hope for the world? Well, maybe we don't try to change the world, just change our world. Change our world. Right here. Here's the thing. Talk about spirituality. Being born again. When you're born, guess what? You don't say baby, right? You grow up. <laughs> People don't grow independently, but people grow in the context of community or relationship, right? And when they grow up, guess what? And then they get married and they give, give birth also. They multiply themselves. Spiritually speaking is the same way. That's why, as I said before in the beginning, this is the heart of this church. We want to grow people spiritually so so they're born again, not just performing spiritual tasks, but actually become spiritual people and become mature, and guess what? And giving birth, multiplying themselves and creating other people to be born again. That's the whole purpose of what church is. If we don't do that, we miss it completely. We might have the big whatever stadium, big whatever it is, but we miss it. Because all we do is just doing, gathering the crowd, but not really making disciples. I remember a few months ago, I talked about the difference between the crowd and the disciples in Mark chapter 4? Jesus said to the disciples, To you have been given the mystery of the kingdom of God. But to those who are outside, you know, Mark chapter 4, verse 9, I believe, 9 and 10, after, the story, after he gave the, the parable of the sower, the disciples came to him, What's the meaning of the, of the Of the, uh, when he was alone, the disciples came. What's the meaning of the parable? He said, To you have been given the mystery of the kingdom of God, but but to those who are outside, he was talking about the crowd. I'm just going to give them in parables. They get excited about the story. Well, that's an interesting story. They go home, kind of having a cup of coffee. It's like, that was a great story. I wonder what. What really is the meaning of that story? Only a handful of people that Jesus said to you have been given the mystery of the kingdom of God. Be ready to receive blessing from God. Fathers, all these hands lifted up before you are prophesying in the name of Jesus, an outpouring of your blessing from heaven, Lord every person here Lord Jesus may they may they never become not not the same when they leave this place as when they came Lord something has happened Lord a new journey for this new year is set for them Lord new path as they leave this place they are marked by the favor of God the blessing that will not just remain with them but will touch many lives around them, Lord. Their family members, their neighbors, their friends at work. anywhere. Father. Yes, Lord, we prophesy this because we rest in the fact that we are people purchased by the blood of Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Keep God. got a hand.